We ask you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 20, verse 28. I want to talk to you this morning about the church, the church. As we see in Scripture, Acts 20 and verse 28, we're going to look at a couple of verses, one here in Acts, and we're going to skip to the book of Ephesians. I want to see some helpful things for you this morning about the church. Acts 20, verse 28, take heed. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. I'm going to get you to turn to the book of Ephesians now, if you will. Ephesians chapter 3, in verse 21. Ephesians chapter 3, in verse 21. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we praise you and worship you for your almighty, eternal power and Godhead. And Lord, this morning as we come to the subject of the church, Lord, I pray that we would receive the teaching and truth that we need today. Lord, I pray if there be one here this morning that knows you not as Savior, Lord, I pray today would be the day they realize, Lord, that you love them. That, Lord, they are standing in need of a Savior, but you love them so much you came and died in their place, were buried and rose again. Lord, we have the gospel, the gospel which is the answer for our eternal salvation. Lord, I pray if there's one here that knows you not as Savior, I pray today. Lord, they would see that they can call upon you before it's everlasting too late. Lord, I pray for Christians here this morning. Lord, I pray that we would understand the importance. Lord, that we would see what you would have for us from your word about the church today. Lord, I'm glad, Lord, as the psalmist was, that we can come to the house of the Lord. Lord, I pray that we would understand your purpose for us. Lord, may your will be done today. In your precious name we pray. Amen. As we talk this morning about the church, I put up a picture, a very uh, familiar picture of a church and church steeple, a recognizable caricature of the word. As we think about the church, Understand we will be influenced by our understanding of what the church is. The question of why to go to church, why to serve, why to be connected in the local church, why to give, why, why to worship, why to uh, evangelize, why to be involved in missions of the church, and all the other outlets of ministry. We have to learn some things to understand. Number one this morning, very simply... I want to talk about the meaning of the word church, the church. As I mentioned, I put up a picture this morning on the screen here of a, a caricature of the word church. And so often we think of 
church, we think of a building. We think of a little wood frame building with a steeple. We think of a, uh, of a meeting place. But I want us this morning to understand the word church, not in culture, but in the Bible. And by the way, we need to be careful that we don't follow culture over Bible. Uh, our culture, by the way, uh, is not a solid foundation of truth. We all come from different culture. Uh, we all, even though, so no, pastor, I come from the same culture as this person. Understand uh, the culture you come from, although you may have grown up in the same town as someone else, uh, the makeup of your family, the culture that, that formed and shaped you, your worldview, everything is a little different. We all have different culture. But I, I'm not concerned with the definition of church in culture today because that definition changes. I, I want us to see the definition of the word church in the Bible. That word church we see from the Greek word ekklesia. Now that word ekklesia literally means a called out one's. A called out assembly. I remember when I was in Bible college, I was taking a shower. I got out of the shower. As I got out of the shower in the bathrooms at the college, I heard the fire alarm go off. Can I tell you that is not a convenient time for a fire alarm to go off? I wrapped my towel around me. I grabbed my bathrobe and wrapped it around me, and it was winter time. And I went out, there's a, a football field back in behind the dorm that I lived in, and I went downstairs, out the door, out in the football field, and I'm out there freezing. I got, I got sandals on and a bathrobe and a towel, and that was it. Uh, and I had wet hair. Now, I know some of you are saying, Pastor, you don't have any hair. Now, this was back in 1994. I had hair back then, and I had a big, giant quaff of hair. Well, no, I had a little bit of hair, but... I, it was not a convenient time for me to be called out. But I was out there, me and a bunch of guys in the dorm, we were all assembled there in line out waiting because of the fire alarm, uh, not knowing that it was a fire drill. <laughs> Had I known it was a fire drill, I wouldn't have gone outside. Archie, I'd have stayed inside. Uh, but I was called out by that alarm. We went out together. Now, the word church comes from that word ecclesia, which means to be called, called out ones over a hundred times. Over a hundred times in the Bible, we see this word dealing with a local called out assembly. As we look through the uh, epistles, as we have uh, been studying the book of Colossians the last several weeks and a couple of months on Wednesday night, the book of Colossians, the letter, was an epistle written to the church at Colossae. And it was written to the Colossian believers who assembled themselves together, who were assembled in the local body of believers in Colossae. It was written to a local church. And we see that word church in the Bible, uh, and it denotes a local church. It does not mean a building. Uh, I use the caricature picture of a church building uh, in the slide in front of you, but can I tell you the word church does not mean a building. It has nothing to do with a building. Uh, it does not mean a meeting place. You know, so often we think, well, th this is the meeting place. This is the church. Uh, this building is not the church. Uh, the church building is not uh, the definition of a church. By the way, it is not a denomination. 
Uh, it's not a group or a philosophy. Rather, the church is a local assembly of believers. Thus, a church is people. It is not made up of brick and mortar. It is not made up of drywall and two-by-fours. It's not made up of shingle uh, and slate. Rather, it is made of people. Now, I'm not going to take time to, to go to these verses, but if you have a pen and want to write these down, you're welcome to this morning. I've got some things I want to give you, but if you want to write down Acts 20, 28, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, Ephesians 2.19, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 1, and Galatians 1 verse 2, verse after verse after verse that deals with what the church is. But number two this morning, I want to go a little further. I want us to, to understand some things. I want to talk about... Uh, and this is where I really want to start focusing some attention and understanding for us this morning as believers. Number two, the purpose. The purpose of the church. The purpose of the church. Can I tell you that the number one purpose of the church, the local church, of every local church, is to bring glory to God. Ephesians chapter 3 in verse 21, over just a, a probably across the page, or the verse we just looked at, the Bible says, Unto him be glory in the church. Glory by Christ Jesus through all ages, world without end. Amen. Ephesians 1, 6 says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Down in verse 12 of chapter 1 of Ephesians, it says that we should be to the praise of his grace. Glory, who first trusted in Christ. Can I tell you the reason we assemble, the reason we gather together as a local church, first and foremost, is to bring glory to God. When we seek any of that glory for ourselves or we seek to divert it anywhere else, can I tell you we failed in purpose. The purpose is to glorify God. Turn to Acts chapter 20 with me. We're going to see a couple of verses that I gave you to, wrote down, to write down a moment ago. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Take heed therefore unto, uh, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood, for I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, seeking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone, night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Number two, the purpose of the church is, number one, to bring glory to God. Number two, the purpose of the church is to develop the members of the church, by the way, who make up the church, that's what the church is, to be, for us to be developed spiritually, for us to mature. 
How many of you remember, those of you that have grown children, remember when your children were in diapers? How many of you remember that? How how many of you remember wishing for the day that you didn't have to buy diapers anymore? Remember that? Didn't have to change the diaper anymore. And oh, it was a great day. The last time you bought that last pack of diapers, praise the Lord. And then some of us, that happened, and then you found out you're expecting another baby. Remember when that happened? Oh, man, I thought I was done with this. Some of you are in that stage now, Pastor. You have no idea. I feel like I, I see 3,000 diapers a day. I just wish I didn't have to do that anymore. I can't wait till they start growing up a bit. And then when they start to grow up, oh, I wish they were babies again. Uh, but you're wanting them to mature. Can I tell you that Christ wants you and wants me to mature spiritually? Because when we get saved, we're babes in Christ. God wants that maturing to happen. Uh, And the purpose, one of the purposes of the local church is to be that place of maturing, of maturity. Acts, I'll read for you quickly, chapter 11 and verse 23. The Bible tells us there, "...who when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord." Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, and it came to pass that for a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Can I tell you why the church of Antioch sent out Paul and Barnabas? Because for a whole year, Paul and Barnabas had taught and help to mature the believers in that local church. And part of the maturation of those believers was they realized this isn't just all about us. We've got to take the gospel. We've got to obey the Great Commission. We've got to get the gospel out. And they sent forth the first missionary. Hold on, because they had matured. Part of that maturation process. So the purpose of the church is to glorify God, to mature... Uh, believers spiritually, number three, to be a pillar and ground of the truth. A pillar and ground of the truth. First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, I read for you quickly, says, But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, listen to this statement, which is the church of the living God, And then we have another word, another title for the church, the pillar and ground of the truth. How many of you uh, have ever seen a fence? Probably all of us. You know, where I'm from in the southern U.S., a lot of the old farms and properties, they didn't have fences like you and I would think of fences today. They had hedgerows. Where I'm from, there weren't a lot of, years ago, there weren't a lot of cattle and horses, so the properties didn't need fences uh, to keep the animals in. There were paddocks or whatever with animals, but a lot of the old farms, a lot of the old properties, what they did is they planted what's known as hedgerows, and they used, most in the area I'm from, Uh, the plant that was planted along most of the property boundaries on the old farms there is a a tree 
uh, known as Osage Orange or Boyce Ark uh, or Hedge Apple. And it grows this knotty-looking chartreuse yellow-green fruit that is not edible. Uh, it's this pithy-looking weird thing. It's great for throwing at people. How many have ever seen a hedge apple before? Uh, you play baseball with them, they explode. They're awesome. But they're useless. But the trees are uh, very hard wood, and, and they would plant them along the property line. So if you walk on the farmland where I'm from, and if you're walking along, if you go in a field and start walking, if you come to a line of Osage orange trees or hedge apples, most likely you found a boundary. Most likely you found something that separates one property from another. Now the reason they planted those trees is because if they just took a stake and they placed that stake in the ground, this is the property. The neighbor could take, but they might take the stake up, move it over, put the stake right here. And then the next day, Brother Jim, a couple days later, we'll move the stake a little farther until eventually it looked like they own more property than they should. But rather, they planted those trees in a place to be a boundary that was immovable to show the delineation of what was theirs. Christian, can I tell you one of the purposes of the church is to stand firm on truth. To keep truth planted where it has to be. Sadly today, so many quote-unquote churches have gone from being pillars and grounds of the truth to being perverters of the truth, to trying to change the truth, to making the truth whatever people want to hear. But can I tell you God's purpose for the church is that we stand firm on the truth. Not the truth the church decides, but God's truth of the Word of God. Number four, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, most of you know that passage. But ye shall be witnesses unto me, Jesus said, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth. We, we have a passage we looked at several weeks ago called the Great Commission. We call it the Great Commission. We find it in the book of Mark. We find it in the book of Matthew. Uh, we're to go and to preach the gospel to every creature the Bible tells us. One of the purposes of the local church is to evangelize the world. The world. Not just our city. By the way, the, the purpose of the church of Antioch wasn't just to evangelize in Antioch. They did that. But can I tell you what else they did? They set aside Barnabas and Saul and said, Hey, why don't you go for us? Go carry the gospel where we are not. While we share the gospel here, while we reach our Jerusalem, their Antioch, you go and share the gospel. Paul and Barnabas were sent out. Why? To evangelize the world. Christian, our job, one of our purposes is part of the local church is to evangelize the world. By the way, that includes your neighborhood. That, that includes our family. That includes the people you work with. That includes our entire province, our entire country. That includes our entire world. Our job, our purpose, local church, to evangelize the world. We see the purpose, but I want to talk to you just for a moment about the blessing. The blessing of the local church. Turn to the book of Acts with me, Acts chapter 2. 
Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. We see some blessings. And I want you, I want every person here to be aware and I want you to be a recipient of these blessings that we see revealed in the book of Acts. But they're not just for the book of Acts, they're for us today. Acts chapter 2 verse 41 then they that gladly received his word. Now, who are these people? These are people who heard the gospel. They believed they were born again. Were baptized, and the same day were added to them about 3,000 souls. Added to them. Who are the them? It's a local church. These are people that were added to this local body of believers in Jerusalem. In verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. Can I tell you that the blessing of the local church is it deepens our fellowship. We fellowship with our Lord, but Christian, God also made us to fellowship with one another. What did God say about Adam? By the way, God doesn't make any mistakes. Let's just understand that right off. God doesn't make mistakes. Everything God does is good. In creation, every day of creation, God saw that he, all that he made and said, it is good. God made Adam. He created man. The Bible says from the dust of the ground. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And then what did God say about man? It's not good. Hold on. He didn't say man wasn't good. He said, it's not good that man is alone. So he made an helpmeet for him. He made Eve for Adam. But God, when God created you and God created me, just as God created Adam, God did not create you to be an island unto yourself. God created you with a need for fellowship. Say, but pastor, not, you know, not everybody is married like Adam was. No, I'm not talking about marriage. I'm talking about fellowship. God had a plan for Adam and Eve, but can I tell you, God has a plan for you. And part of that fellowship for some of you uh, who uh, God would want to marry, some of you who have husbands or wives, part of that fellowship is that connection you have with a spouse. But can I tell you, God made us and God created us to fellowship with one another. God created us to spend time with one another. And we see here that part of the blessing of the local church is that opportunity to deepen and broaden our fellowship. Brother Royce asked me about the idea they had for our Cornerstone Connect. I thought, man, I, I love the idea. Why? Because that's one of the purposes of the local church, that we can fellowship, that we can encourage one another, we can get to know one another those folks that trusted Christ, they were added to the church and they began to grow in their fellowship. What a wonderful truth that is. And by the way, many of those folks were from different backgrounds, different cultures, but they got connected in the local church there in Jerusalem. Another help, another benefit of the local church is it will help with backsliding. The Bible tells us in Hebrews and I'll turn here very quickly for you and read in the book of Hebrews in chapter 10, in verse 24, it tells us, And let us consider one another, 
and provoke, provoke unto love and the good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. How many of you remember walking with your children when they were very little? Some of you are doing that now. You've got some small children. I don't have small children anymore. But I remember when they were small. I remember when they would hold my hand back when they loved me. And I'd walk with them. And they'd hold my hand and we'd be walking together. And sometimes they'd start to fall. But they wouldn't fall. Why? Because I had their hand. As I'm getting older... I need somebody to hold my hand so I don't fall anymore because I'm pretty clumsy. Uh, but I, I would hold their hand, and as they would fall, I would be there to help them. Christian, can I tell you one of the benefits of the local church is that we have others around us to encourage us. By the way, sometimes we don't only slip. Sometimes we want to slip. Sometimes we want to choose some wrong things. Our flesh makes some wrong choices, but praise the Lord for the benefit of the local church of having others around to encourage us, to hold our hand, to lift us, to help us. And we, we, we don't have time this morning, but we can look in Proverbs 14, 14, Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 19. We can see that benefit of those keeping us from falling, encouraging us. Another benefit, another uh, wonderful thing about the local church is it will enlarge our service. Look at Acts chapter 4. The book of Acts, chapter 4 and verse 23. The Bible says, And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all the chief priests and elders had said unto them. In verse 24, And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art... Uh, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heavens rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Notice in verse 30, by stretching forth thy hand to heal and then by signs and wonders may be done in thy name, uh, the name of the holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. We see here the local church giving a great open door of service. Enlarging that coast. Imagine, if you will, 12 men who followed Jesus. That's not a lot. 12 men. Those 12 men that followed Jesus, by the way, one of them was the devil, Judas. 
of the other 11, from those 11 men, the Bible says the world was turned upside down. How is that possible? How is it possible for 11 men, those that traveled with Jesus, those that talked with Jesus, those that learned of him, how could those 11 men from that small group go forth to shake the world? Because of the goal and the truth and the plan of the local church, God gave a great broad door. And those men and those ladies, not only was it them, but those they reached and God's purpose of the local church was to give a broad scope and a broad reach of ministry. I praise God this morning, Christian, that we have a broad scope of ministry because of our opportunity to gather with the local church. We have an opportunity to minister and reach folks all, from all around the world. We have an opportunity to have an effect not only in our city, not only in this corner of Edmonton, but around the world because of local church. It will strengthen our testimony. And I read for you very quickly. I've got to hurry. Acts chapter 15 and verse 41, the Bible says, and he went through Syria and Cilicia confirming the churches. Can I tell you one of the benefits of being a part of a local church? Is it strengthens your testimony. What a wonderful thing. It deepens our prayer life. Acts chapter 4 and verse 23. We read a moment ago the passage of scripture. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all the chief priests and the elders had done. And the Bible says when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. Christian? God wants us to glorify him. Remember, that's one of the purposes of the local church. We can glorify him in our relationship with him. God made Adam to need that fellowship. Part of the fellowship God made Adam for was to fellowship with him. That's why God came and walked in the cool of the day. Why? Because Adam would walk with God and talk with God and fellowship with God. But there came a day when God came and Adam wasn't there to meet him. Adam was hiding himself. Christian, we need to meet God. We need to meet God in our fellowship and our relationship and our prayer life. And one of the benefits of the local church is it encourages us to grow in our prayer life, our devotional life with the Lord. And also it's a place. It's a place where the gospel is preached, a place where souls can be saved. I'll never forget a man named Johnny Jackson. Mr. Jackson's in heaven today. He died many years ago. Mr. Jackson lived about a mile down the road from my home, maybe not quite a mile, him and his wife. They lived on the same side of the road, just down the two-lane, little two-lane road out in the country. I remember my dad and I went one night, and we went in Mr. Jackson's home. And we sat in the living room, and we shared the gospel with Mr. Jackson. His wife was a Christian. Mr. Jackson was lost. Johnny was lost, man. 
share the gospel with Johnny that night. He admitted he was lost. He admitted he knew that he was on his way to hell without a Savior. He didn't trust Christ that night. I remember a few weeks, maybe it was a couple of months, it was at some point a period of time after the first time that we went to share the gospel and try to share the gospel with Johnny. He called our house one evening, called and asked to talk to my dad. My dad never talked on the phone. I Probably 10 times in my whole life can I remember my dad ever holding the phone in his hand growing up. He just, nobody, dad didn't talk to people on the phone. Nobody called and asked for my dad. Now my mom, of course, but not my, not my dad. And Johnny called and said, can I talk to Marcus? And my dad took the phone and Johnny said to my dad, he said, Marcus, he said, I want to get saved tonight. <laughs> and I can't remember exactly what my dad said. And he said, but he said, I know I can get saved at my house. He said, I know I can get saved wherever I am. He said, but I, I want to go to church and get saved in church. He said, I want to be, he said, would you pick me up? Would you and your boy pick me up and take me? I found out there's a, there was a revival service at this little country church. And he said, would you pick me up and take me there? He said, I want to go get saved tonight. I remember going to pick up Mr. Jackson and driving to that little church. I couldn't wait for that preacher to get done preaching, Brother Jim. I don't know what he preached, but I was like, man, just shut up and give an invitation. That guy's going to get saved. <laughs> but Johnny got saved that night. Now, you don't have to get saved with a body of believers gathered together like this, but boy, I tell you, it sure is a wonderful place. Sure is a wonderful place to hear the gospel. Sure is a wonderful place to get saved. Sure is a wonderful thing, a welcoming place for someone who was lost to hear and receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. What a blessing and privilege of the local church. And we have, if you'll turn back to Acts 2, and we'll close with this passage here. We have an example. We have an example of the church here in Jerusalem. Seven things, very simple things. Some very simple things this morning that I want us, as we think about the church, not a building, not a denomination, not a place, but a local body of believers gathered together. As we see another back in time, about maybe two months after the cross. Maybe two months after Jesus cried out, it is finished. Maybe two months after that stone was rolled away and Jesus rose again. We find Peter preaching. Peter who for denied the Lord before the cross. Peter who after the cross said, I go a fishing and went out and left. Peter who looked and saw Jesus, the risen Lord on the seashore. And he girded his fishing coat around him and swam to shore. Peter who had to hear the words from Jesus on that same seashore. Peter, 
do you love me? Imagine the pain that probably went through his heart as Peter thought, I lied about you. I denied you. Yes, I love you. Three times. I love the fact that our Lord gave Peter a chance after denial to say the same amount of times, I love you. I love you. I love you. And at the end of that, Jesus said, Peter, I still have a work for you. I've got to work for you. About two months after the crucifixion, Peter would stand on Pentecost and Peter would preach with great power and thousands would be saved. We see the record of that day here in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. And then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added to them about 3,000 souls. That's a whole bunch. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. I want to share seven things very quickly, seven simple things, not new things. Seven things you've probably heard before, but just a reminder for some of you, maybe for the first time, I want to see the example, seven very simple examples here in the local church, in the church in Jerusalem. Number one, they gladly received the word. They were saved. By the way, there was something that brought them together, something that called them together. They were born again. If I said, hey, I want my girls to come over here. I've, I've got two girls in here this morning over here. You know, if I said, I want my girls to come right here, there wouldn't be 50 of them. There'd just be two. Why? Because I only have two girls in this room. Unless my wife came. Maybe she, she's my girl too. I'd have three. But I, I, I wouldn't have, I just have those who are connected to me. Christian, the reason we gather together, the reason we assemble together is because we're connected to him. Our Savior calls us to be assembled. So we see here the pattern of the local church as we think of the example. It was a group of people who had gladly received the word. They were saved. They believed the gospel. By the way, it doesn't say they which gladly uh, did good works. It doesn't say they which were gladly religious. It doesn't say they which uh, partook of some ceremony. They which gladly received the word. By the way, the gospel is so simple that I just have to receive it. So we're talking about a group of born-again people, this local church. Number two, it says there in verse number 41, they which gladly received his word were baptized. We're baptized. Why? Because they were commanded to be. Why? Because it was that mark, it was that symbol, that connection of association with the local church. I wear a wedding band on my finger. If I take it off, you can tell that it's been on there a long time. Uh, matter of fact, I, I may not have any blood going to that end of my finger. Uh, it may fall off soon. But I wear this wedding band because it is a symbol that I'm married to my wife. Now, if I take it off, 
It doesn't make me unmarried. I'm not married, unmarried, married. No. I'm married because there was a day I got married. I'm not married because I put this ring on. But I put this ring on as a symbol, as a sign of my love and my commitment to my wife. Christian baptism is that symbol that we see in common, that we see the local church in Jerusalem, those that joined together. It was that symbol that connected them. They were baptized. They were born again. They were baptized. They received the Holy Ghost, the Bible says. Understand today, the moment we trust Christ as our Savior, we receive God's Spirit to live in us. How wonderful that is. Notice here, it says in verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles. Here's a dirty, a dirty word in our world today, doctrine. Doctrine. By the way, what was the apostles' doctrine? It wasn't Peter's doctrine. It wasn't James's doctrine. It wasn't John's doctrine. It was the doctrine of Christ. It was the Word of God. The doctrine they studied was the Bible. The Bible. They studied the Bible. They didn't just, now they fellowshiped together. We're going to see that in a moment. But it wasn't just fellowship. There was that studying of the Bible, the Word of God. And we see that here in Scripture in this example, the early church. Not only studying, but notice there in verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. They fellowshiped together. And we talked about this already, but they had that connection. They were connected together. And we see as well, uh, as we close here, they broke bread together. They prayed together. They, in verse 42, this local body of believers had that connection, but they did not keep it to themselves. From that local church in Jerusalem, the gospel went forth around the world. Christian, as we think about the church, as we understand God's purpose for the church, for every local body of believers, as we see the benefits that God has for you and for me as we connect with the church, as we see the pattern, as we follow God's pattern, how wonderful it is that we can be a part. How wonderful that we can receive that blessing, that we can see what God has for us. And here's the challenge this morning. If you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I, 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 know, I know a little bit about the Bible. I, I know a little bit about Jesus. You know, I thought I knew a little bit about a church, but I really don't know for sure that I could call myself a Christian. I don't know for sure that I've received the Word of God, that I've accepted Christ. I don't know that that's me. If that's you this morning, can I encourage you and tell you the Bible says that Jesus stands at the door and knocks. All he wants is for you to open your heart today. All he wants is for you to believe and receive the gospel today. Would you trust him? Would you be born again? Would you receive the payment Christ already paid? Would you understand there's nothing you can do except receive him? Christian, Maybe it is this morning that you have not been connected as you ought to be in the local church.
Can I tell you this morning the great blessing that God has for us as we gather, as we connect, as we fulfill God's purpose? Maybe it is as a church that we've let some things slip. We've deviated purpose a little bit. Can I tell you, may we hit a reset this morning and may we get back to God's purpose. May we glorify God first and foremost in everything we do. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the wonderful privilege that I have to get to be part of this local assembly, this local church. Lord, I thank you for your blessing. Lord, I thank you for the day that I believed and received the gospel. Lord, not the day I did a good work, not the day I became religious, but the day that I simply accepted the truth of the gospel. Lord, I pray if there's one here this morning that knows you not as Savior, Lord, I pray today that they would believe and receive the gospel. Lord, I pray for Christians here this morning, those that would say confidently that they know you, that they know they're saved, they know their sins have been forgiven, they know they're a child of God, they know they're born again. Lord, I pray that they would see your great love for them, not only eternally, not only the plan that you have for them after this world, but Lord, that they would see the plan you have for them now. Lord, I pray that they would realize the blessing that we have the opportunity to be connected in the local church. Lord, I pray that as members of this church, Lord, that we would find your purpose. Lord, I pray most of all that we would glorify you in all we do. God, help us to filter everything and every decision through that question of does this glorify God? God, if the answer is no in any area, God, help us to change. Lord, I pray you'd help us to see the blessings you have for us. Thank you for the encouragement. And Lord, I pray that we would follow your pattern. Lord, would you work in hearts today? Lord, I don't know exactly what you have for every believer, but I believe that you want all of us to submit ourselves to your word and your purpose. Lord, I pray you'd help me to do that this morning. God, help all of us to do that this morning. And Lord, as we take a few moments, Lord, to pause, Lord, to make a decision, Lord, to ponder your purpose for us today. Lord, I pray that decisions will be made that would glorify and honor you. God, may your will be done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Would you stand together with us this morning? Let's take our hymnals as we stand, and we'll sing number 489, I Surrender All. Number 489. Oh, to Jesus, I surrender Savior. 
on the last. All to Jesus I surrender, Lord, I give myself to Thee. Fill me with Thy love and power, let Thy blessing fall on me. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to come together this morning. Lord, how good it is. Lord, thank you for my church family. Lord, how special and wonderful they are to me. Lord, I pray you bless us together. God, help us to serve you. Help us to honor you in all we do. Lord, would you bless the remainder of our day. Lord, be with us as we travel home. Lord, I pray you be with us as we come back this afternoon. Bless our activities. Lord, may you be glorified. In your precious name we pray, amen.